Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. Welcome everybody to episode 187 of the Animation Station Podcast. My name is Josh and today I am joined by a very special guest, the wonderful actress Tiffany Grant. How are you doing, Tiffany? Hi there, Josh. I'm doing great. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, uh, just for, you know, maybe some of our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Tiffany Grant. I'm a voice actor working primarily in anime, and I've been doing that for a little over 25 years now. Um, some of my, the better known uh, titles that I've worked on, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, where I was Asuka. I was Nojiko, that's Nami's sister, in One Piece. I played Marta, the snake chimera, or chimera, in uh, Full Metal Alchemist. She's the one who gets uh, meets her demise at the hands of the pure inside of Alphonse's suit of armor. That always kind of brings it into focus for people. Oh, she was that one. Uh, <laughs> I was Laura Bodevig in Infinite Stratos, and I've done several hundred other shows as well, and some video games, too. Paladin, yeah, definitely. Smite, Deus Ex 2, uh, recently worked on uh, something I think is going to be really cool for people is uh, Once Upon a Coma from the creator of Pinstripe. I'm very excited about that one. Nice. So um, let's uh, let's kind of go. We're gonna we're gonna go back go back in time as I whack my microphone. Okay. Okay. We're gonna go back. I did it again. We're gonna go back in time. So what was what was little Tiffany uh, like as a child? Oh well. I like really, like what were I, like like what were you into like were you that class clown kid like what were what what was little Tiff well, running around? I, I, well, little Tiff was very little. I was tiny. <laughs> I mean, I'm still tiny. So people, if you've never met me in person, I I'm a very tiny person. I'm just like barely five feet tall. So I'm a little. I I refer to myself sometimes as like a trial sized person. You know, if you're new to human beings and you just want to try out like a small one, I would be that like trial sized person. <laughs> Uh, or travel-sized. I'm really good at being travel-sized, which is good because I travel a lot. But anyway, I was um, always, like, the tiniest person in the class. Um, I always, I think, knew that I was an actor. I like to refer to acting as a congenital condition. It's sort of like a birth defect that you're born with, and there's no cure for it. Mm. So it's something that I always, was always in my mind that, not like I am going to become an actor or I'm going to someday be an actor, but that, like, I am born as this. So um, my first school play was in second grade. It was The Shoemaker and the Elves. I was an elf, and I can remember how exciting that was to be in that play, and I was, like, seven Um when I was about nine years old, I got this little Sony tape recorder, and I would write sketches and perform all these different characters, and sometimes I would get my friends or my cousin Helen uh, to record and, and play these different characters. I would write these um, sketches out for us, and sometimes it was more like an outline, and we would just kind of improv it, but I loved doing that. Um, also, when I was a kid, I... My cousin Helen and I had our own variety show, kind of inspired by variety shows were very popular in the 70s. So ours was kind of based on like a Carol Burnett show, Sonny and Cher, things of that era, which hopefully some people listening to this know what I'm talking about. But it was, yeah, very much inspired by those 
variety shows and we would write the sketches and even do like little fake commercials in there and we would have song and dance numbers with like very very minimalistic choreography <laughs> um yeah so that's that was kind of me that was my thing is um I had a pretty active imagination so was there anything growing up that you really like kind of resonated towards? Like, was there like a movie, TV show, certain, um, you know? Oh, yes, very much. Uh, so when I was really small, some of my favorite TV shows, which is kind of interesting considering the way my career went, but um, two of my particular favorites when I was very young were Speed Racer and mm -hmm. Ultraman. And both of those, the English language versions, were written, directed, produced by the legendary Peter Fernandez, uh, who I, many years later, I got to meet when I started doing conventions, and he was a delightful, really wonderful man. Um, so those were some of my favorites. Also really liked Popeye. But my big hero when I was a kid and well into my adulthood was uh, a very prolific and well-known entertainer, uh, Bob Hope. And he really succeeded in every facet of show business. When he was young, he started out in vaudeville and became a very successful, well-known vaudeville performer. He appeared on Broadway, and then he transitioned into having a radio show, which ran for, I don't know, probably close to 20 years. He was in television. He did films that were, like, really big box office successes, you know, and so when I was growing up, he was like, I was very fixated on Bob Hope, like obsessed with him and watching all of his movies, reading all of his books, um, every time one of his TV specials came on, um, and one of the things that he was most famous for now, um, would probably be the fact that he entertained the troops, he was basically Yeah, I, I, was, I was just thinking like the, the USO yeah. stuff, yeah. Exactly. He was basically the progenitor of the USO. He was asked to go and entertain some troops at March Field in California back in 1941. And this is before uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor. So he had already entertained the troops. And um, then when the war started, it was just very natural for him to transition into going overseas and um he was a little bit older when World War II started. He was 38, and that was, it was a little older than, you know, there were a lot of famous um, movie stars and celebrities like Clark Gable and Jimmy Stewart and so forth who did um, enlist, and they did go into the military, and they did fight in World War II. Um, but he was told, no, we think that you would be of better service to the country if you would entertain the troops and and that's what he did and he did it starting in well actually right before World War right before we entered World War II and then um, all the way through the Korean conflict the Vietnam War um, and even until um, the first Gulf War in the 90s he was still entertaining the troops so that's really incredible all of that that he did uh, anyway, so yeah, he was my hero. And uh, you're from uh, you're from Houston, correct? I am. I, okay, I, I was actually... I was trying to remember uh, from your from your uh, ladies in animation panel at Anime yes. Week in Atlanta. I was yes. like, I thought she said that she was from Houston. Yes, I'm a bona fide native Houstonian, and that is where I started my acting career and where most of it occurred in Houston. I did work um, actually a, a fair amount up in the Dallas area for Funimation as well, but 
Yeah, most of my, I, I now based um, in the Atlanta area, but most of my acting career has taken place uh, in Texas and mostly there in the Houston area. So if you don't mind me asking, um, why, why, why the move to Atlanta? Well, <laughs> oh, is, very, that, is, that, is that a bit too personal? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, I mean, you know, it's aspirational uh, for people who are not aware. If you don't stay to the end of the movie or watch the end of your TV show, um, you might not see that made in Georgia, made in Georgia peach, yeah. that peach logo. Um, I think for the last three years, and it might be four now, Georgia is actually the number one location in the world for film and television production. So, this is kind of where stuff is happening, and uh, I was doing like sort of a reinvention of myself, you know, this is my, my second act or my third act or whatever act it is, and uh, reinvention of TIFF, I thought, uh, you know, let's, let's try Atlanta. So, here I am, and uh, trying to see what's going to happen there. I've been here for about a little over a year and a half now. Um, is is the voiceover um, area like I I know because I've, I've had a uh, one of our previous guests uh, Amanda Miller um, mm-hmm. she w- went from Texas to California and now she is in uh, she's also in Atlanta mm. and she it was uh, kind of telling us that it's a little bit harder with like the the voiceover resume. Um, yeah. because it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, you know, on camera work. Um, have mm-hmm. you, have you found anything like that as well? Like kind of like a hurdle with, uh, yes. you know, primarily doing voiceover? Uh, yeah. And, uh, for those people who don't know, I've actually, I, I've done a fair bit, not a tremendous amount, especially not compared to voice acting, but I have done a fair bit of on camera work over the years, okay. but I just don't really have a passion for that, and I have gotten to a point in my life where I think I don't really have to do stuff that I'm not enjoying, <laughs> you know? So I, I honestly have no interest whatsoever. I mean, if I do some on-camera work and again in the future, eh, that's okay, but I don't really care about it at all, and um, certainly not actively pursuing that right now. I, I am finding it kind of difficult um, getting into the voice community here. So most of the work I'm really doing is online and and uh, finding work that way and using some of my previous connections from Texas. So, mm-hmm. uh you know, it's it's tough moving into a new market, and um, anybody who's in this business knows that. I mean, it, it's difficult. You can be really well-known in one market, and I thought, oh, gosh, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've got a lot of credentials. Surely it will be no problem. Well, a little bit trickier than I thought, but, you know, that's okay. I'm in it. I'm in it to win it, as I always say, and yeah. At this point, I'm useless for anything else. So this, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. This is what I do. I always think, oh, my gosh, if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll be working in Target. But uh, not quite yet. Not Have you ever thought, like, thought maybe going along the, uh, the audiobook route? You know, I've looked into that, and I don't think it's for me. Um, gotcha. At least the opportunities that I have been aware of have paid so very badly, so very, very, very badly. And um, it really has to be something I think that you really want to do and focus mm-hmm. on it. One of my really good friends, Chris Patton, who maybe a lot yeah. of your listeners will be familiar with, very prolific 
um, anime voice actor. But for several years there, he wasn't really doing much anime. That's because he was doing all of these like vampire teenage romance novels. Um, he did a lot of audiobooks and not just the vampire teenage romance stuff, but other other things too. But he said, you know, it just it's your entire life when you're doing it. And uh, you don't have time to do other kinds of voice acting or go to conventions or, you know, that's just, that is your life. Just reading and reading and reading these books. And I don't think I have the patience for it. I mean, if when I work on a project, if it's something that's more than like 10 finished minutes, that's, that's a lot. Because the stuff that I'm doing, and this would be very much the case with most of the audiobook work is that you're doing it all on your own. So yeah. something that's 10 finished minutes that might not sound like much to a lot of people, but that 10 minutes is a lot. You do not record that in 10 minutes. Let me tell you, you do not because there's all the edits that you have to make and like, ah, oh, I got to redo that line. And yeah, 10, 10 finished minutes takes, takes a while. So, uh, so we're gonna go back a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, so you you were doing all kinds of stuff with. Uh, you said you said your cousin, correct? Oh yes, my my cousin Helen. Yeah, we had dear Helen. Helen. Yeah, yeah, the Helen uh, and Tiffany show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was um. Thing. So 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 you were doing so you were doing that when you were younger. You were in some school plays. Um, mm-hmm. Where so how how did that kind of transition into I'm gonna make this a full time career? Um. Yeah, well, I was doing, you know, I was active in in theater all through school, up and through, like, middle school, high school, and and then into college, um, Mm -hmm. was still doing that, and uh, then I was involved in community theater, which, you know, is fun and can be artistically uh, fulfilling, depending on what theater companies you're working with. Some are obviously better than others. It doesn't pay anything, Um, so you have to just be doing that because you enjoy it, and whatever you're getting out of that, like emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Um, but I uh, I was actually doing that as a sideline. I wasn't doing acting as a career. That was a, a very much like in my spare time kind of thing. And I was actually mm-hmm. working for the Kroger company as a meat buyer. And um, I thought, boy, I you know, this is not, this is not what I want to be doing. And I really started thinking, like, I've got to figure out some way to to break out of this rut. And I've got to, like, I thought, man, I'm 25. I've really got to, you know, get after it. And I was doing community theater, and I got a call just really out of the blue from a guy that I had known from junior high. And it, there was this brand-new company that had started about a year and a half earlier in Houston and it was called AD Vision and they were going to start they had released a few just like a handful of titles of anime that was subtitled and they were going to start dubbing anime into English and they needed to find actors and he said yeah they they told me that they're doing this and they were looking for actors and I remembered that you're an actor so maybe you want to give them a call and I thought this is fantastic because you know this was like sort of the culmination of everything that I had been thinking of like all those years before making Mm -hmm. like different characters and and stuff recording that on my cassette player Um, so I called and I went down there and I auditioned and I got hired like on the spot I got hired which now with my 
years of knowledge and retrospection, I can say that's not a normal thing that you get hired like immediately following your audition. Um, but I did. And after I did that, that first paid, that was my first paid acting job working in anime. And I said to my boss at Kroger, I said, ah, I'm going to quit. And I got a job waiting tables at Steak and Ale. And because I thought, well, that's, you know, it's like the classic acting job. But the reason is because it's got flexible hours and everything. Yeah. And, you, you know, so that's what I did is I, I quit that job and they tried to entice me to stay. They were going to give me a little bit of a raise. And I was like, yeah, but that's not what would make me stay here. The thing is that I need is a flexible schedule and you can't offer me that. And they said, you know, no, we can't. Like I had to be there every day from nine o'clock until five o'clock Monday through Friday. And that was the deal. So that was it. I mean, once I had my first paid acting job, I thought I've really, this is it. I've got to pursue this. I've really got to focus on this. So I quit my office job and started waiting tables and um about a year later I ended up I got a talent agent and started auditioning for different things and got more involved in community theater which again wasn't paying but at least I was you know sort of meeting other actors and and things like that and yeah. the anime stuff eventually started picking up and I mean that's really how it all happened and the first community theater play that I did in Houston back in 1993 um, Kelly Manison was the director of the play and she has subsequently gone on to have a rather uh, amazing anime career another person who was in the play was Laura Chapman who's another okay. well-known anime actor. So, you know, a lot of us were in that uh, group. Uh, so it's, it's kind of funny now. And I was actually doing a, a play, uh, it was like right after that play, which was called The Clown Who Ran Away. And the play that I did after that was Alice in Wonderland. And it was during the production of Alice in Wonderland in February of 1994 that I actually went and did the audition with uh with ADV and um so it, you know it, community theater was good for me because I made friends there who I've ended up you know intersecting paths with you know over the last 25 years so mm -hmm. some some good relationships there that I made along the way uh but that's that's how it all got started for me Nice. So, so you did. So you were kind of patient, and you did kind of wait for that anim that more of that anime esque boom, if um, if you well, will, there, like that that like that late nineties into the two thousands when uh, it really started well, picking up over here. Well, I mean, my my professional acting career started in February of nineteen ninety four, which was not in the late nineties, and there was no anime boom, and most people did not know what anime was in February of 1994. Um, I had never heard that word before, before I was working in anime. And when I would say anime to people, they had no idea what that was. This is before Sailor Moon. This is before Dragon Ball was on TV. There was no Toonami. There was no Adult Swim. 
um, you know, I would have to relate it to people. I would say, you know, it's, it's like Speed Racer. Speed Racer was, and they go, oh, was that anime? Oh, okay. So people really did not know what that was at that time. And I can remember when I worked on my first show, it was called Guy Double Target. And I remember talking to um, Matt Greenfield, who directed that anime and many other animes of that in subsequent years. And he said, yeah, you know, we think if we get this going, we might be able to do one of these every month. And I went, wow, one every month? That's amazing. You know, and this was a two-episode OVA. And uh, it was actually a few months later that we went back, or probably several months later that it, that it was until we did the second uh, project, which was actually Samurai Showdown, the motion picture. That was the second thing that we dubbed, and that was several months later. And then in 1995, that's when it really started rolling. In 1995, you know, it it just really kicked in, and then we actually really were dubbing something every month, and even more than one something a month. So it, it did pick up pretty quickly after that, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as I got my first paid acting job, that was it. I was like, this is a sign. This is what I need to be pursuing. So that was when I really just was going for it. And waited tables for a while, did a little retail work in there as well. And uh, then I went and worked at a talent agency, and I actually worked there for eight years. Um, so basically... Since probably um, 19, since early, like since January of 96, all, all the only jobs that I have had have been showbiz related jobs, you know, acting or working mm-hmm. in a talent agency, whatever. Like, they've all been industry related jobs. So for over 23 years now. Nice. So um, I know we've got we've got fans that are going to mm-hmm. be reminisce if I don't uh, not reminisce. They're going to be uh, angry if we don't yes. if we don't bring up um, Evangelion. So oh, really? um, so how yeah. did how did that uh, audition? So, you know, you go in for that audition. Um, did you originally go for uh, Oscar or did you just read for any of the characters that you could? I never auditioned for Oscar. So really? I, I reject the premise of your question. All <laughs> right. Well, that's my, fair. My audition for Oscar was the uh, two and a half to three years leading up to me appearing in Evangelion. My audition was all of the other characters that I played, like Komei Sawaguchi in Blue Seed. And um, so I was the one main cast member who never auditioned. Uh, there were auditions for... All of the other roles, uh, Ray, Misato, uh, Ritsuko, a lot of auditions for Shinji. There were um, women considered for the role. Uh, I did not audition for that. I didn't, I didn't audition for anything in Evangelion at all. Um, so I kind of, back then we would record two episodes at a time because that's what would come out on a VHS tape. So VHS yeah. tapes had two episodes, so that was all that would be produced at one time was two episodes because that what was mm-hmm. was that was what was going to be released. So, um, yeah, I, at, I, I, I remember all about those VHSs. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I bought mine at a, they were white, 
Um, mm-hmm. I bought yeah. mine at a because f- like anime conventions weren't really like a thing, really, right. especially because were... like I'm in I'm from Oklahoma, so uh-huh. not a lot there. But we did have uh-huh. a but we did have a Star Trek convention every oh, okay. year. And that's where you would go because they would have Star Trek stuff and like all, all kinds of other, you know, um, types of genres and everything. Oh, and then there mm-hmm. would be a little booth that would sell anime stuff. And yeah. I bought, I want to say, like six VHS copies of Evangelion. So I got like okay. 12 episodes. Oh, and then okay. I was never able to get any more. Oh, no. So it was one of those like I, I never knew oh. how it ended until oh. years later. Oh my goodness. Yeah, well, so since we would only we would do two of those and then at the same time we're working on a lot of other shows, you know? Mm-hmm. So doing um OVAs and everything is kind of all um mingled in together. Uh so we would do say uh you know, two episodes of Evangelion and then we do uh you know, one episode of Golden Boy, or we do like uh, one episode, like Plastic Little, or you know, whatever. So all of these things were like being intermingled together. Um, that being said, so I was in the studio and I was aware that they were working on this new show, and I did not know like what is this show? Why am I not in it? What is happening with that? Because Oscar does not get introduced until the eighth episode. So obviously mm-hmm. they were working on it for a while before I was in that. And uh, I remember I was in the studio one day and I think I, like, the engineer was like mixing it or something. And I said, well, what are you working on? What is that? You know, what is this show? And he told me. And so I went and I marched right into Matt Greenfield's office and I said, hey, so this new show, um, I want to be in that. Can I just do like a... Can I, just, can I just do like some background stuff or something? And he goes, "No, you're you're in it. Your your character is just not introduced yet." And I was like, "Well, can I can I just do some background stuff or something?" No, you can't. And so he had a a Gamera figure, and it was up on this filing cabinet. And Gamera on either side of him, there was a Ray and there was an Oscar in their plug suits. And he points to the Oscar figure and he said, you see that girl in the red right there? That's you. That's your character right there. And so you, you, can't, you can't do anything else until she's introduced. And I was like, well, fine. And I'm thinking, she must not be a very important character if she hasn't even been introduced into the show yet. And as somebody pointed out one time when I was telling this story, they were like, wait, so <laughs> you went in to the director and demanded to be an Evangelion? It's like, that's such an Oscar thing to do. <laughs> it really is. Like, to be I fair, know. it really is. It really is. So unbeknownst to me, because I didn't even know that they had the auditions for it. I, I wasn't even aware of that because I didn't go. And uh, they used to do this thing at ADV, like on, I think, every Friday night or most Friday nights or whatever. They would do these pizza parties at the office for the people who actually work there. I mean, the voice actors do not work at the company. You know, that's like there's the marketing people and yeah you know, HR or whoever, like people who work in a company. And they would buy pizza and they would screen new episodes of upcoming shows that ADV was going to release. They were new shows that they had licensed. 
And so they had been showing episodes to people who worked there. And all these people kept coming into Matt's office and, and they were like, okay, so Tiffany is Oscar, right? <laughs> Oh, man. So, like I say, I think my audition to play Oscar was uh, really kind of based on my prior work, like Chigako and Devil Hunter Yoko, and particularly Kome Sawaguchi and Blue Seed. You know, I think it was very, very influenced by that for sure. And uh, anyway. So that's that's really the story of Oscar. That is how um, that all happened. And uh, when I finally got to meet Yuko Miyamura, who is of course the original Oscar, mm-hmm. when I first met her, and I was so excited to meet her, I just, I mean, I nearly passed out. I was hyperventilating. And I met her, and I think really within about five minutes of us meeting, she said, "Oh, I see why they cast you to play Oscar." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not, but I mean, anyways. yeah, I mean, you take it as a compliment. Be like, you know. yeah, it's my personality. Sure. sure. Yeah, I'm spunky. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um and and you've been uh you've been able to reprise your character, which doesn't happen all the time. Yes, it does not. That's true. It does not. Um, so, right, in subsequent iterations like uh, Death and Rebirth and End of Evangelion, and then the uh, the rebuild movies, I did continue to mm-hmm. play Oscar. Of course, I have nothing to do with the abomination that is on Netflix. That is, yeah. Not I, what the heck is that? that? I am. I don't know. I will tell you that is the one and only time I ever did audition to play Oscar. And one of the weirdest sentences that ever came out of my mouth was, "My name is Tiffany Grant, and I'm auditioning for the role of Oscar Langley Sorio." That was like, pardon me, but batshit crazy. Like, I couldn't believe those were even words coming out of my mouth. I, the one, uh, time, the one uh, time I auditioned to play Oscar, I didn't get the part, so go figure. You know, the one who's been playing this character <laughs> for years. Exactly. Yeah, I haven't even, like, I, I know some people that have watched watched it and, you know, everything online where it was all kind of weird and, like, the stuff yeah. didn't make any sense. Like, they were trying to do, yeah. like actual like translation issues so it never Uh, makes any sense yeah you know i like to say that if you put you know item a into your translatometer and you get out item b it doesn't necessarily make any sense but they got what they wanted and so there you have it i do not by the way i'm not trying to knock the actors for their Oh no no no! De- de- definitely definitely not them. That's I'm not, I mean I'm not because they had they had they had what the they job, had to work with. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Absolutely. I would play Oscar. Absolutely, but anyway, just, I mean, shoot. just getting. <laughs> Why not? I want to be a spunky um, redhead, right? Of course, of course. Um, yeah, I've in the last several months I have had people ask me, "Is like so? Did was that you? Did you work?" I was like, "Oh God, that was not me. No, <laughs> that was not me." I did not have anything to do with that. And I'm glad because, honestly, if they had cast me in it, I would have had to say that those terrible Those scripts, terrible, I would, yeah. Yes, I would have had to say that stuff. I would have had to call Shinji a children. Yeah, no. that wasn't, it's like, no. I, 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 it's like I, I get that you're going for, you know, like authenticity to the source material, but it's also like, English vernacular doesn't work here. Like, Uh we wouldn't say you're the first children. 
That uh-huh. doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. Yes, it, it, it is in fact a grammatical error. It is not canon, as I've heard somebody try to argue. No, yeah. it's just an error, and we don't have to repeat it because we're fluent in English. I can English, so I agree. And or no. In fact, let's not even talk about that Netflix thing. Let's it's it's out of I our know. minds. Let's kind of, let's go. Um, well, okay, I mean, let's move on. Let's move on. Like let's uh, let's let's kind of move on here. So you you are doing a lot of conventions, and that's where we we kind of yes. met briefly. Was at yes. Anime Weekend Atlanta. Um, yes. Is that something that you're you're really really into? Is going to these conventions, meeting the fans? I love it. Yes, I do. I do love the conventions. Um, and I will just tell you, I'm an obsessive list keeper. So I am therefore able to tell you that I have been a guest at 277 conventions in the oh, last. Oh, that's awesome! Years. So yeah, I've done conventions in. 46 of the U.S. states and the District of Columbia. So the only places in the U.S. that are still on my wish list, and hello, I'm talking to you, Montana, Wyoming, Delaware, and Rhode Island. So those are the four. Two states that are very tiny and And two states that that are are quite large but don't have a lot of people in them. But anyway. um, Yeah. They do all, as far as I have checked, have some type of convention in them, so I'm ready. Invite me. I'll come. I'm a great guest. Definitely. I'm ready to do it. Yes. And I've I, done, I mean, I've done conventions in Canada and in the Republic of Ireland, um, Northern Ireland, England, um, several of the states in Australia, and also in New Zealand. So I've, I've been around. You are well-traveled. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh man! Indeed. Uh, so uh, we ca- uh, we we did kind of uh, you know uh, gloss over Oscar um, because mm-hmm. we did have uh, Portraya Burchard on here who voiced uh, Ryoko in Tenchi Muyo, so very oh, popular. Yes. I mean, sh- and mm-hmm. she she like still gets uh, people from conventions coming up and talking to her about Ryoko. So and you still have people coming up and talking about. Uh, uh, Oscar. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely the number one thing that people want to talk to me about. I'm far and away. Did I mean, you I just? I just did a convention <laughs> this past weekend, um, Anime Y, which was in Fort Lauderdale, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's really. I would say at conventions, the the thing that people want to talk to me the most about is far and away Oscar, and that's probably. 70 to 80 percent of what people want to talk to me about I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that i've done and and they do talk to me about these other things too like golden boy is still a big one cult favorite uh, you know infinite stratos for sure a lot mm-hmm. of one piece fans full metal alchemist but uh yeah it's it's oscar 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 and some other stuff <laughs> uh and and you did uh well I, what i was gonna ask was like did you ever think uh i mean what, what like Back back in the day, you see a li- you see a mm-hmm. figure sitting on uh, sitting on the director's uh, you know shelf, right? Ever oh think gosh. that this was going to explode and be like this is oh. going to be a character that I will play for years and years to come? No, I and there's there's absolutely no way to know something like that. You mm-hmm. know, I I had no idea when I was playing this character like this is the thing that I'm going to be known for. This is something that's going 
to follow me around for decades for the rest of my life, which I'm not saying that in a negative way. I think it's fantastic. But I had absolutely no way of knowing um, that what a phenomenon Evangelion was going to be. I did, I did not know. I absolutely did not know. It's um, been a, a blessing, really, that I got to be part of something like that. It's, it's pretty incredible and sometimes a little bit surreal. I'm not going to lie. But uh, it's, it's been great being able to, to be associated with something like that for such a long time. And there is, there are more of the rebuilds coming out, so hopefully we will get to see you again in the rebuilds. Uh, I, I hope so. I have no idea. Um, there is supposedly one that's coming out. I mean, the original proposal was that there were going to be four of them, and the fourth one is supposed to come out at some point in 2020. Mm -hmm. I have no idea when. I mean, it certainly is not finished at this point, uh, at least as far as I know. There, there certainly hasn't been any indication of that, so I don't know when it would come out in Japan or when it would come out here, and I certainly have no control over whether I'm in it or not. I don't personally have any expectation that I'll ever play Asuka again. I, I figure if they didn't want me to be in their new dub, then why would anybody ever want us ever you know why would they if that's all studio cara and they have the you know they own evangelion and they can do with it whatever they want i don't i don't know why they would want us again i mean i uh, i'm ready to do it i would like to do it but i certainly don't have any expectations that i will gotcha so yeah i'm just being honest with you people yeah. don't like it for me to say that but i'm just i'm just speaking the truth i don't i don't think it's gonna happen i uh, see and that's that's really sad i know huh <sighs> But I mean, I don't sound sad when I'm saying it. It's more like I've just finally come to that stage of acceptance. Believe yeah. me, I had, I had a lot of grief and a lot of denial and a lot of rage and all of those stages of everything. Uh, but that's been, you know, a year ago for me now. Yeah. Um, do, do you have any uh, any projects upcoming that I know you mentioned a, a video game that you um, yeah that you're looking forward to any any other projects or anything that you uh, that you'd like to promote or you know that you can talk about yeah um, well um, the most recent anime that I worked on was actually uh, a one piece film that came out I think late September and uh, was. Uh, I reprised my, my role of Nojiko, which is uh, Nami's sister, and mm -hmm. that was a one-piece episode of East Blue. And essentially what it is is it's like a, a rehash of the first, I don't know what it is, like 20 or 30 or something episodes of the, of the TV series. So I got to do that. And it was kind of me doing a lot of the same stuff that I did when I was first doing Nojiko back, oh, when was that? Like 2008, so it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, well, that's what happens when you have a show that goes on for, like, what, 600 oh, episodes? Oh, I think it's up over 900. Is it? Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. It's It'll be going until, I don't know, the apocalypse, maybe. Yeah. Um, one one uh, different project that I worked on, and actually came out this summer, but I worked on a visual novel, so that was a new thing. It's called Akash... A-K-A-S-H, Akash, Path of the Five. And I cannot, I'm so bad, I can't remember what game system it's available. It's on, a, it's on a couple of the game systems. And I was just a supporting role. I played a little boy called Josiah. But so it's just a different thing that I did. 
and um, yeah, and the this video game that I worked on, it looks really, really cool. And like I said, it is called Once Upon a Coma. And the creator, Thomas Brush, he's based in South Carolina, and he's just an independent game developer. And his last game was called Pinstripe, and it was uh, really got a lot of like awards and, and critical acclaim, and it looks like the same is going to be true for Once Upon a Comb. It has a really cool, it has very much kind of a Tim Burton kind of a vibe. Okay. With the art style. It's, it's really, it's pretty neat. And I played um, one of the main characters in that, uh, Gomboisa, who's about a 10-year-old boy. And I played his little brother, who is Gom Toddler. So uh, that was really fun. I enjoyed that a lot. And um, also recently... Um, did a couple of characters in a game called Heroes of New Earth. Last year, I worked on Warframe Fortuna. Um, I think it actually didn't come out maybe until it was late last year or early this year when that came out. Okay. And um, I play a little sheep girl uh, in a game called, or her name is Nimora, and it's a game called AFK Arena. And I got to do a little special thing for Halloween when um, just this past Halloween where she was like possessed um, by an evil spirit. And so that was pretty fun. Nice. But I've gotten to do, yeah, I've gotten to do a little bit more video games recently. Oh, and also um, this year I worked on um, a mod for World of Warships and it's called Mermaid's Wrath. And it's like, well, what if all of the... Um, famous uh, admirals and commanders and so forth from World War II. What if they were ladies? So it's that. <laughs> oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, any, yeah. uh, any conventions or anything upcoming? Oh, yes, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, yeah, I've got uh, this coming January, I'm going to be at Ichiban Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, and that is, it's a four-day convention. It's January 9th through the 12th, and then um, in March, I will be at AgamaCon, which is in Aiken, South Carolina, and it's very near Augusta, Georgia, and then in April, I'm going to be at TigerCon, which is down in South Georgia in Valdosta. Uh, see, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking Nebraska. Mm -hmm. No, no, I don't, no. I don't know no. why. Like, just like you said, TigerCon, and I was like, Nebraska. No, it's, uh, it's yeah, TigerCon. It's actually the guys who run it are um, affiliated with the Air Force base down there. They're all um, Air Force guys. Okay. So um, that is the genesis of the name there. Um, it's they're not. The, the convention is a private organization that is, I have to read the disclaimer on their website, not part of the Department of F Defense or any of its components and has no governmental status, but it is right next to the Air Force Base. Gotcha. So it's like all the, yeah. I think it's like the Flying Tigers is the squadron there or something. Anyway, I'm not an Air Force expert, so sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And um, what about uh, social media-wise? 
Uh, oh, okay. Well, I am not a big social media person. I don't do the tweeting because Twitter is bad and scary <laughs> and toxic. But I do have a, a Facebook group that I actually participate in. It is the Tiffany Grant Fan Club, and I do correspond with people there, and I post things there, and I chat with people there. So that is the best place for people to contact me, either Tiffany Grant Fan Club, or I have a website. Uh, you can go to either tiffanygrant.net or tiffanygrant.com. They will both get you to me, and you can email me through my website, and I actually will answer your email. Shocking, but... <laughs> That's a that's a real thing, um, yeah. It's Moody. It's Moody Air Force Base. Um, Moody, okay. Air, Moody Air Force Base in Valdosta. So nice. And and we'll put uh, we'll put the link to your Facebook group and to your website in our show notes okay. as well. So that way, uh, if anybody wants to you know listen to, I mean, uh, click on it, um, you know, chat with you, Absolutely. they can just you know pull sure. it up. There you go. That um, is babbity doo uh, Tiffany, thanks so much for coming yes. on. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was really a pleasure. Oh, no problem. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast, Twitter at Animate Podcast. All of our episodes are available iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, YouTube, and on our website, animationstationpodcast.com. Again, Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on. And you'll always sure, be our Oscar. Thank you. No problem. Aww, so for the you. Animation Station Podcast, uh, I am Josh. Oh, and I'm Tiffany. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye.